from one of my favorite leadership authors. Um, his name is Chris Donham. He's an Indian-American. Um, a lot of positive stuff that he does. He works with the Zig Ziglar group, and, but he's, he's a phenomenal speaker. I've, I've had the privilege of hearing him um, several times, and um, I just love some of the quotes that he gives, and I thought it was applicable to what I'm going to kind of teach on tonight. Amen. He says, and these are all quotes from Mr. Dunham. He says, if you're happy, tell your face. He says, you are not responsible for your heritage, but you are accountable for your future. Mirror, mirror on the wall, here I am, now what's my call? The message is clear, plan with aptitude, prepare with aptitude, participate with servitude, receive with gratitude, and this should be enough to separate you from the multitudes. Be all that you can be doing all that you can do. Success is not who you are in relation to the person sitting next to you. Success is who you are in relation to where you began and what you began with. For eight hours of the day, practice the skill that allows you to make a living. But for 16 hours of the day, practice the will that allows you to make a life. 97% of the people in this world operate in the comfort zone. 3% of the people in this world operate in the effective zone. The difference between comfort and effectiveness is called growth, and growth is uncomfortable. A big shot is just a little shot that kept shooting. And last, if you're at point A and want to get to point B, learn what it takes to be at point B while you're at point A. You know, tremendous um, quotes from Chris. Um, again, I, I like those types of things. Read a lot of the leadership books to make sure, um, you know, I always want my leadership to be beyond reproach. Now, as we get ready, I want to read a story that I found on the internet, um, true story. Um, it speaks of a, um, a Baptist missionary. Um, there's a Baptist missionary in Thailand called New Life. It was started by a woman, an American missionary who was teaching in Bangkok. She was having a hard time focusing on her work because of the sex trade that was all around her. She found it particularly galing because the young ladies were getting younger and younger. The thought that being young um, ladies were less likely to have the HIV virus. Upon investigation, she found out that the men that ran these houses um, would travel to the remote village throughout Southeast Asia and buy these young girls, usually from impoverished peasants. Girls were particularly vulnerable because they were considered an economic liability to their families. Their parents had to raise a dowry to get them married, whereas boys took care of the parents in the old age. Furthermore, the girls were taught from the time that they were born that they were inferior, that they had to accommodate themselves to this patriarchal world that their own needs were not nearly as important as fulfilling their duties, particularly their duties to these men. This was not fate, it was Mara. Now, I won't read the whole story, but it goes on to talk how she takes this group of girls and she begins to teach them about self-respect. And she begins to teach them a trade, which she, she made them all take up sewing. And to the point where they all became this one tight-knit group and they would go to different places and sing Christian music as she became a witness to them and they began to do great things in their lives. The fact that she took it upon herself, but daily we see people who need that encouragement, who needs just a little bit of a pick-me-up, something to make them feel good about themselves, something to make them feel special. But then I think about the church, and I think about us because, you know, the Bible says in Mark that we're going to do extraordinary things for God, but yet you don't see the churches today moving in those veins. You don't see the church operating in the miracles at which Jesus said it. 
You know, I tell people all the time, when, what I get from the scripture, when Jesus said, all you have to do is speak to this mountain, it's just like you just walk up to it and speak to it, and it will be removed, you know, because of the confidence that you're speaking with. But Christians today, we seem to have a, a knack for not operating in the confidence that God has our back. And a lot of times, we don't realize just how great God wants to move in us. Amen. But I'm going to start with our text, and it comes from Mark chapter 6. It says, and Jesus, when he came out, saw much people, starting at verse 34. And Jesus, when he came out, saw much people and was moved with compassion toward them. Because they were as sheep not having a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came unto him and said, This is a desert place, and now the time is far past. Send them away that they may go into the country round about and into the villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. He answered and said unto them, Give ye them to eat. And they said unto him, Shall we go and buy two hundred penny worth of bread and give them to eat? And this is the scripture I want us to send around tonight. He said, He saith unto them, How many loaves have ye? Go and see. And when they knew, they said five and two fishes. And he commanded them to make all sit down by companies upon the green grass. And they sat down in ranks by hundreds and by fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fishes, he looked up to heaven and blessed and brake the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fishes divided him among them all, and they did all eat and were filled. And they took up 12 baskets full of fragments and of fishes. We all know that um, parable. We know um, the story where it's about the fishes and the loaves. We understand, you know, when we read that, that we're talking about how God just supplied their need. You know, but I begin to look at that scripture, what have you? If God was to ask us that tonight, what have you? Because he's asking us that every day, but he is all faced with so many excuses a lot of times on, well, God, I don't have this and I don't have that. Now, see, I have some legitimate excuses. I can tell you that I shouldn't be much because I came from a single parent. Praise God, I did, I did something with my life and I turned that around. Good, but I had an excuse. And we as Christians have to learn to eliminate the excuses that's in our life. So if I could put a title on this tonight, it's simply spiritual self-esteem. Let us understand how powerful we are and what God can do for us if we have the confidence in him. In ourselves, a lot of times, is what holds us back. You see, we've heard before that the devil, he's a dirty fighter. You know, I pondered the whole week. I pondered on two things. One, I just, um, Brother Merrill, I, I tweeted one thing in my life um, on my tweet account or whatever they call it. I don't even know how to do it. But um, you said something the other day at the Sunday school, and I just resonated the past two weeks with it. It's even though you may have circumstances that God doesn't take from you, he will equip you to deal with it and to achieve more with it. Amen? So, but the devil is a dirty fighter. And I pondered this week. As I was last week, actually, um, when I had this lesson, it was, how does the devil, who know he is already defeated, keep fighting us? And in a lot of cases, keeps winning. And when I say win, I don't mean win, but he stops us from doing what God has called us to do. Because, see, the devil likes to deal with manipulation and intimidation. He's a bully, basically. See, a bully, he has some issues with himself, so he's going to try to raise up and make you think he's bigger and better than what he is, amen, but he's no bigger than, he's not bigger than God, 
Amen. Our God is bigger than anything the devil can throw at us. However, what the devil likes to do is to intimidate us, and he does it by bringing up our past. You remember when you used to do this? And you remember when you used to do that? Well, God didn't see that as a problem. When he came into our lives, when he filled us with the Holy Ghost, you know, God said that, you know what, while you were yet a sinner, I died for you. And I thought about that this week, and I said, how powerful am I? Man, what vision does God have? Because while I was yet at my weakest point, when I didn't even know him, he saw something in me. But yet the devil tries to manipulate us and intimidate us out of seeing what God sees in each and every one of us. He tries to make us feel like our self-worth is nothing, that we're not anything for God. Oh, well, you know, I, I go to church and, and I sit on the pew and, you know, if they ask me to do something, you know, every now and then I'll, I'll help, you know. But God has bigger and better things for each and every one of us. If we just had the right spiritual self-esteem to understand what God truly sees in us, amen, it is so much that we, so much that we can accomplish. Because we all know in the parable, as he was teaching, well, not the parable, the story, God multiplies. God doesn't believe in division. You know, that's a whole other lesson on unity. But God does not believe in division. He's a multiplier. So, you see, God takes that little thing that we, that little bit of what we think we are, and he begins to multiply it into something far greater than anything that we can ever imagine. But we sometimes restrict it because we believe that I'm not good enough. That's the devil talking. It doesn't matter what you put your hand to. Do it with all of your might. Do it with all of your might. Believe in yourself. God can do Great things in each and every one of us. Amen. It doesn't matter. God, see, the society we live in, you know, to get an audience with the president of the United States, I, I have to win a championship or I have to have a lot of money, you know. But to get a presence with God, all I have to do is stand before him and repent of my sin and say, Lord, please come into my life. And I will get an audience with someone far greater than the president of the United States of America. But it's hard. See, we, we, those balls and those chains, and I'm not talking about wives. I'm saying when we put those balls in the chains of our past on, what we begin to do is, you know, I, I, I can't even get to God because I hold on to that. Man, we got to release those chains. We got to take off those shackles, and we got to stand up and say, you know what? Despite what I was, that's not who I am, and I believe that God can do exceeding and abundant in my life above that all that I can ask or think. And we have some great imaginations. But when it comes to our own ability, we tend to restrict God. Because we don't believe like God believes. And we want to be able to open that up tonight. Amen. But God wants to see us grow. First of all, let's remember, spiritual growth is a choice. Spiritual growth is a choice. God commanded that in the second Peter, and that's not a scripture you have to put up. In 2 Peter 3 and 18, the Bible says that we should grow in grace and knowledge. Grow in grace and knowledge. So for me to mature, for me to believe in myself, I have to understand first why, who God is and what God sees in me. See, 
until we can take off those blinders to who what God sees in us, we'll never be able to get to do what God wants us to do for him, for the kingdom of God. Because at the end of it all, it's never, ever about us. It's never about how much money you have. It's never about how much money you don't have. It's never about how, what, what kind of pedigree you got. It doesn't matter if you come from the slums. It does not matter. None of that matters to God. The only thing matters to him is what he sees in your future. But you have to see it as well. But God says grow in grace and knowledge. You know, we have to be diligent. We have to be diligent. The Bible says that we have to seek out our own salvation with what? Fear and trembling. That's powerful. Because when he says that, you got to be diligent in your salvation. you got to be diligent in what God wants to see happen in your life and what he wants to use you for. God said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. We all know the scriptures. We probably all quoted the scriptures. But when we're going through trials and tribulations, when the adversity steps in, some kind of way we forget that he never left us. And he never forsake us. He's still there. The adversity is there just to propel you into something even greater for him. That's what happened on the day um, after the um, persecution of the Christians. God did that so that he can push them out into all of the um, highways, the byways, Samaria, so that he can get this word out into the world. And it's the same thing with us. Instead of us sometimes saying, oh, God, I can't believe what I'm going through. Say, God, why am I going through this? What do you want from me? Ask the question. Don't ever look upon your circumstances. Look upon the God who directs your steps. Every step. He said the Bible says that the steps of the righteous are ordered by God. So if I'm going through anything, whatever it is, God knows about it. And he said, I'll never leave you in forsake. I got to connect these dots. And I got to say, man, it's uncomfortable as it is. Because we all know when we're going through the fire, it is not comfortable. But at the end of it, I still have to trust God. I still have to have the faith to move a mountain that stands before me. But I'll never, ever even pick up a pitchfork to move anything if I don't believe in myself. If I'm still that person that's in the past. And then talk about some dynamite. You want to talk about power? Think about an omniscient God who has forgotten your sins. Do you know how powerful that is? That somebody who has the, cannot forget anything will forget your sins. He commands himself to forget your sins and not just forget them and put them in a little box like sometimes, unfortunately, we do with, with other people's issues. We, we tend to put them in a box and, and conveniently open them up. God says as far as the east is from the west. You never, ever have to worry when God has forgiven you for your sins about your past. Push forward. Push forward. Believe in yourself. Believe in what God's going to do for you. Amen? And it's blessed by God. 2 Peter 1, 8 through 11, 8 and 8, chapter, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 8. If these things be in you and abound, they make ye that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we know that he begins to talk about the virtues of God, amen, love, um, joy, I mean, temperance, um, faith, all of the, the virtues, and I'm and it's slipping my mind right now, but if those things be in you and abound, that means God is growing in you, see, when you begin to put your past up, you, you, you hold God back, 
when you begin to think about your own limitations, when you begin to say, hey, sister, I need somebody to help teach the class over on this side, and the first thing comes out their mouth is, well, I never tried. God, God can use you. He can use you. When, you know, Pastor Murphy, when he comes to you and he says, hey, look, I need a little help over here. Don't think about what you can't do. Think about what God can use you for. We don't always think like that. And we want to be stronger than that because self-esteem comes from how I believe in myself. That's the key thing. How do you see yourself? Spiritually, how do you see yourself? If we are not being abounding in the virtues of God, then we're not going to see ourselves as someone God can use. If we're not growing in grace and knowledge, we're not going to see ourselves as someone God can use. We're going to, our spiritual self-esteem is going to be low, you know, because like I tell the young people, whatever you do, it doesn't matter. You don't have to read the whole Bible, but just read something, you know, put some knowledge in you. Rudiment, I mean, root, um, um, rudiment on that particular topic and just keep on believing that God's going to do something with that single word that he gave you, that little seed that he plants in each and every one of us, amen? Because, you know, if our self-esteem is low, it will affect our spiritual growth. It will. If I don't believe I am somebody, it doesn't matter how good much God does. It doesn't matter how much God bless you. I mean, we see the multitude of people, rich people, who are doing things out there that, you know, the, the suicides and those types of things, but they got all the money in the world. They shouldn't have a trouble, right? No, but they're missing is they're missing God in their lives. But we have to get away from our, I don't know if this is a proper term and I'll probably get in trouble for using, but our Christian excuses. You know, sometimes we have those Christian excuses about, well, I don't really know all the Bible. You don't have to know all the Bible. I don't know if this is true, but I'll say it. Pastor Murphy may not know all the Bible because the Bible itself is a revelation of God's word. He begins to reveal stuff into you. You and I can read the same scripture, and God will tell me one thing and tell you something else. So it's not about what you, how much the Bible you know. It's about how much room God has to reveal his word in your heart. And as God begins to reveal himself in your heart, there's so much more that you'll believe that you know. But we got to get rid of those excuses. Well, I got the children I got to deal with, and I got my job, and I can't, I've never heard a job that kept you from serving God. You know, I've never heard of it. If it is, we don't need to be at it. Just being honest. But you see, it's just like our kids. When you want to think about something, you think about kids who grow up in a home of negativity. They, they tend to be negative children. They don't accomplish as much as a child who grows up in a home where the parents are constantly affirming their love and how good they are. You know, make them believe that they can do everything. You know, even if they, if they sing like Brother Lawrence, those parents will be right there saying, baby, you got a great voice. You sing so well. Keep it up, baby. <laughs> because that's what positive parents do with their children. And see, God does the same thing with us. He's always affirming his love. That's what the scriptures there for. When we come to church, he is always using the man of God to affirm his love for us. 
So it didn't matter that while we were yet sinners, he still died for us, which means he loved us. And he loved us beyond measure. But you, like I told you, the devil in hell wants to distract you. It wants to distract you from who you actually are in God. He wants you to think that you're little. But we have to have that self, healthy self-esteem. We have to be able to let God affirm his love for us through prayer. As we get into our prayer closets, you know, it's not just a routine. Well, it's 5 o'clock and I got to give God his 30 minutes. Praise God, thank you. That, that was close to 30. Um, I'm finished. But I'm talking about when you crave it and you're desiring that man, I had a rough day at work, and when I get home, I don't care about who's got to call me, I got to get to my prayer closet. I got to talk to you, God, because I know you love me, and I need to feel your warm embrace. I got to feel how, how connected I am to you, because if we can get disconnected mentally from God when we go through the trials and the tribulations of this world, and Satan uses that forum to continue to distract us from the true love that God is looking upon. He doesn't matter, well, I had a bad day. I, you know, I, I let something slip, and I yelled at this driver because they just crazy, don't know how to drive. And it's okay. God will forgive you for that. You know, the driver might not, <laughs> but God will, and he still loves us. Don't beat yourself up over it, and don't let Satan beat you up over that. You know, begin to think about positive things. You know, God, you know what? It could have been a bad day, but you brought me home today. I get to see my kids one more time. You know, everything I do, I take it to the lowest common denominator, yet it's the highest denominator there is. Every day I wake up, thank you, God. You know, you did not have to wake me up today. And so whatever you got for me, devil, bring it on. Because I know that God's got my back. And even though I go through the fires of my daily walk in this world, I still believe that, you know what, God's going to make it all right. He's going to bring me home to see my wonderful family. Thank you, Lord. So when I pull into that driveway, man, I love, I'll call my wife sometimes, have my daughter standing outside for me just so I can see her face. It's them long days. But we want to let God affirm his love to us. We've got to be close to him. But negative consequences of a negative mindset, if it affects our kids, it still affects us. You know, even as adults sometimes, you know, we, we got to be there. That's why I tell you, find someone that you trust in the church. And when the devil starts putting those thoughts in your head that nobody in this church loves you, that you are the worst thing that ever walked through the doors of grace, you begin to go to your sister or your brother and you say, hey, look, I need you to pray for me. Because the devil right now is trying to put some old dirty thoughts in my head that nobody here cares about me. You know, because I promise you that you're not the only one dealing with that. You know, talk to my brother all the time in Christ, good friend of mine, and who won me into the Lord, and we'll be talking about stuff, and he said, man, I'm dealing with the same thing. Because, see, that's how the devil works. But God has turned something bad into something good, so now we talk and we pray with one another. You know, find that prayer partner. Find that individual that you can trust and tell that innermost secret to. Tell them what you're dealing with, because a lot of times they're dealing with it too. But if you let that stay in your heart, it's going to bring negativity. It's going to make you think, man, Pastor Murphy preaching to me. He talked to everybody in here. He said it was unjust, but I, everybody was the just, and I was the only one unjust. You know, I'm the only one the rain didn't come to my house. <laughs> That's how the devil works. The devil wants you to think like that, and he 
we got to have more self-esteem in ourselves because of the fact we got to have a Christian's basis for self-esteem for two reasons. We have to have dignity because we have divine generation. God says that I have made them, and I'm not going to have you all to go to all the scriptures because we've we got a little bit of time, but he says, I made you in my image, the image of God. Man, that's powerful. You know, sometimes, you know, but the devil likes to play with you. Man, God, I hope you don't look like Brother Lawrence. <laughs> no, but God says, I made you in my image. I made you in my image. Man, God has made us in his image. Man, that is the number one reason. I got to have self-esteem because I represent the image of God. Man, I don't want to go, that person that you see walking through. Man, my wife talks about this all the time. It's amazing how many people, church folk, you can see walking through, and they just look so terrible. I'm just going to be honest. I'll be wanting to go run up to them in Walmart and say, let's pray right now. I know something. You're dealing with something. And as soon as they see you, hey, they get excited. But you was like, man, I don't want to be. I got in the image of God. Man, you always happy. Yep, made in the image of God. Man, I want to be excited because I was made in the image of God. I have the, that is the number one basis to have strong self-esteem in God. Amen. Genesis 1 and 28. The Bible says we were created to exercise dominion. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Man, that's, now I'm a juggernaut, Pastor. I'm somebody. I got dominion. You know, as long as it's draped in humility. Man, I got to put, that's, you can put my chest out. It's like when somebody say, I'm a Marine. You never hear a Marine go, I'm Says you got dominion over everything that walks upon this earth. Everything. So if I'm a child of God, man, I gotta have my chest out for that. I can't be doing Satan, you're a liar. Well, you know how you used to think with those bar rooms. And I don't do it no more. <laughs> you don't see me in there. Because I I have dominion over that bar room now. Well, you know how you used to like to uh, mess around with the ladies. Well, praise God, God done gave me a wonderful wife who I am faithful to. And I have dominion over that spirit. Satan, get thee behind me. I'm somebody, I have dominion over that stuff. I can't let sin beat me up. I can't let sin direct my, how I feel about myself. I'm no longer doing that. That's why you have to get out of any kind of sin, because sin will have you believing that you're not, when you walk through those doors, everybody raise your hands. You don't want to raise your hands. That's why we have to cast down every weight. That's why we have to hold our chest up and say, you know what? Get thee behind me. And when I'm dealing with something, and if, I, if it's something that's keep tugging at me, sister or brother, hey, we need to pray. Ain't going to be trying to mess with me. Trying to attack me. It's tough on me. I need you to help pray with me. You know, tonight about 12 o'clock, I need you to call me, find out where I'm at. You know, but I need you with me. Because you don't want sin in your life. Because sin will keep your self-esteem and God low. It will not make you believe that you would because you feel embarrassed. You know, it's just like the kids. When the kids, when they think they let us down, 
man, they, they, they feel it. How do you think God, we feel when we do that to God? So I don't want to put myself in that position. Amen. Go to Titus 3 and 5, please. See, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. See, when God comes in our life and he fills us with the Holy Ghost, man, we regenerate. You know, we all done quoted the little scripture of um, old things that passed away, all things that become new. You know, we're new creatures in Christ. That's what the Spirit of God does. It cleanses you. It changes who you were. It moves you into a new realm. And though you may not be where you want to be, you are where God wants you to be. And if you're where you got God wants you to be, that's just moving forward. I tell people all the time, he said, whatever you do, just don't go back. Don't go back. When you've done all that you can to do it, you just stand. He said, but whatever you do, don't go back. You can go forward or you can stand now. I'm going to still be with you, but don't go back. And that is how we have to understand when that Holy Ghost comes into our lives and it changes our perspectives. It changes out how we look at people. You know, I don't look upon an individual with disdain or disgust based off of whatever the, the way they look or where they come from. I look upon that and say, man, God, God can save you. Because you remember when you get filled with the Holy Ghost? You'll run through fire. You don't miss church. You don't never, ever forget. You know, you're always asking somebody to give a Bible study. But, man, when Satan comes in, he makes you start feeling low about yourself and thinking about your past. And pastor says, hey, look, I got this little um, into his marvelous light. Can you go with brother? Well, pastor, I'm not too sure. Because your self-esteem in God is slow. We got to keep our self-esteem high, our spiritual self-esteem, it is valuable to what God wants to do in this community, in our lives, in our families, in our own neighborhoods. But God cannot move if we're constantly believing that we are not worth it. I am somebody proud to be a child of God. I don't have to shoot a basketball hoop, and I don't have to have a bank account with millions, but I am somebody. Because the blessings of God, they will help us to overcome sin. The blessings of God, our family, this church will help us to overcome sin. The blessings of God's own assurance, again, never to leave us nor forsake us, will help and keep us with high self-esteem. Because I know that no matter what, I have an unlimited supply of God who's got my back. I remember a story. It's a true story. I don't even know if I should tell it. Because if my mother was here, she'll probably tell me don't tell it. She's a wonderful woman. I love the woman to death. <laughs> my mother is a wonderful person. Trust me, I get X amount of phone calls a week on somebody that she just met, and they're a great person, and I need to hire them. <laughs> I'm just telling you. Wonderful woman. She'll call me up. I met somebody today. She drives for the, um, the, the bus company, and um, she's over. She's um, the vice president or something in their union, but she drives the bus, and every time somebody gets on that bus who's got a problem, I'm getting a phone call, Brother Merrill. They are good people. But I remember a time when we were young kids, probably about 15, 16, not young, but <laughs> just 
funny story now. But thank God she's not here. <laughs> I don't even know if I should tell it. But, but I'm going to do it, and they'll tell them on me, and she'll tell me later. But true story. One day I'm walking home, and some old bullies riding a bicycle, they come up, and I had a baseball hat on. And the guys take my hat, and they drive off. And I go walking home, and I'm mad, and my mother tells me, what's happening? What's going on? And she goes, I said, somebody has stole my hat and drove off and stole my hat. She said, get in the car. We're going to go find that hat. <laughs> and we're driving around the neighborhood trying to find this hat, and we finally pull up on the individuals. And my mother probably did something she wasn't proud of <laughs> um, at the time. And trust me, we, we got out and got my hat. Um, But to know that my mother had my back, I, I never was afraid of something, you know, because when I knew that she had my back, and when we believe and know that God has our back, God is standing behind us, just like Elijah's armor bearer when he had to take off, open up his eyes so he can see. God's got our back. <laughs> he has our back. There's an, a flame of um, angels that's surrounding us. Don't be afraid. God's got your back. You may not see it, but you got to believe it and you got to trust it. Keep your head up. Believe in yourself, but more importantly, believe that God has your back. Because poor self-esteem, it will hinder your spiritual growth. Another story on Brother Lawrence's life. Y'all going to think that I'm just a sad individual. <laughs> I've always had a phobia of snakes. Couldn't stand them. Don't want to be around them. Scared to live in. I couldn't even look at them in a book. Honestly, I had such a bad phobia. And when I got into the church, I believe to read, God has not given us the spirit of fear. <laughs> but now I still was scared of them snakes. <laughs> he had not gotten me to that point in my Christian walk yet. But I remember when we went to Disney World um, and the family, and, and we went to um, one of the kingdoms or whatever, and <laughs> the guys had a snake. And I said today, Pastor, I'm going to conquer this fear. I'm going to touch that snake. My wife got a picture somewhere at the house. I hope she can never find it. But there's a picture of two fingers doing this to touch the snake. Here's my little girl at the time, little girl. She just walks up there and just grabs the snake. And I'm like, and then I just reached and grabbed her. And I didn't care. I wasn't scared anymore. And that told me something right there. A lot of times, you know, we have these fears, but God will put you in a situation where he'll bring that fear out of you, and it's up to us to say, I'm going to conquer it or not. So when you start having any doubt about what you can do for God, who you are in God, just remember and believe that I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. Because that day he had to strengthen me because I, I didn't care what kind of snake it was, I was not going to let that snake attack my baby. And God will not let anything attack us. We got to stop believing that we're not capable of growing. There's growth in every one of us. Though it may be uncomfortable, there's still growth in all of us. We can never, we have to get away from saying, I could never do that. I could never teach a class. I could never preach. I could never um, mow the grass. I could never paint the ceiling. I could never, whatever it is that God has asked you to do, or your pastor, you don't need to say, I can't do it. But we can do all things through Christ which strengthens us. We got to stop believing that, well, 
I do a lot, so I, you know, I'm going to let somebody else get this one. Again, whatever God calls us to do, we need to do it with all of our might. might. Poor self-esteem, spiritual poor self-esteem, will also affect those that we're around. How many of you have been around a person and you just want to get away? <laughs> Love them to death. Praise God. Thank you for them. But they got some that you just sit around and go, man, everything is just negative. And it begins to affect you. That's why we got to make sure that we got to stop believing in all the negative things that we hear. Well, you know, if we don't this, you know, if the world's coming to an end tomorrow, praise God, if it comes to an end tomorrow, I'll be in heaven. I'm not going to be negative. I believe, thank you, God, for saving my soul. So if it does end tomorrow, I got a place to be. I got a mansion somewhere. I don't know about y'all, but I got one. Now I do know. <laughs> the proper self-esteem enhances spiritual growth. Humility. A lot of times, again, we, we don't need to get so puffed up. Brother Lawrence is not puffing up everybody tonight to walk out of here tonight and say, get out of my way. I'm a child of God. I'm going to move. Now let me get to that Twinkie. humble, but know I'm a child of God. Humble. Humility. God said to humble thyself under the mighty hand of God and he will exalt you in due time. You know, we don't need to go out and make things happen the wrong way. God, I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to let you set my direction and when doors you open, I'm going to believe in it. And now that's not a license to sit back. God ain't opened the door yet, Brother Lawrence. That's because he's waiting on you to open it. He's not just waiting on God to open the door. But you got to be humble when you do it, amen? Praise God, I'm going to move a step through. I want to I make sure I get to this key. Poor self-esteem, again, it's a major hindrance to spiritual growth. We make excuses for not trying. We often give up before we make any progress. A lot of times, we'll be on the cusp of doing some great things, and we give up. Because, well, I've been doing it so long. You know, every day I ask my, um, the supervisors to send out to all their stores, just, hey, look, today McDonald's Corp might be coming in. Be ready for a visit. You know, we don't want them to come in and say that we're not running the store right. You know, and I told them, I said, but always preface what you say. When you do that, it doesn't matter how many times I've said it. Still know that it can happen. So just remember, we don't need to give up before we make progress. Now, bring up 1 John 3 and 18 and 19, because as we grow with God, this is the thing I love about God. We start out as sinners saved by grace, but then all of a sudden we begin to do and grow a little in God. And then we, get, we, we start feeling good about our spiritual walk because things I used to do, I don't do anymore. I don't do that anymore. So. My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. Be confident and understand that to grow, that I have to understand who I am in God and what place I am in God. Don't let your past shall overshadow the power and the might of the Almighty. He says, I am the Almighty. That simply means that he is more powerful. Jesus said, all power is given unto me. 
is. He has it. We have it because we are in him. Amen. But I want to give you um, six principles to remember about spiritual self-esteem. And, you know, again, gain confidence to do something. A lot of times we say, well, God has called me to be a singer, but I'm not in the choir yet. Well, he may be calling you to be a singer and you're not in the choir yet, but that does not mean he does not want you to usher. That does not mean he may not want you to vacuum the carpet. Put your hands to something. Do something. Always do something. Even the littlest things, God blesses. Because a lot of times we're thinking about the, 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 the final, the finale of what we think our gifts are. But God has multiple gifts that he has given to each and every one of us. But you'll never find out where that, that is calling is until you try. And if you have not gotten into that um, gift that you believe that God has for you, then do something. There's always something to do in the house of God. It is always something to do. And that's why I, I don't mind. If I come here and pastor say, Brother Lawrence, you know, um, can you go and clean the latrine for me? Not a problem. I don't have a problem doing it. I don't care because it's God I'm doing it for. But I'm going to do something, Brother Billy. I'm going to do something. But let's look at this. The first thing is for spiritual self-esteem is you have to understand your place in God's eyes. You are truly a child of God. When God comes into your life and you feel filled with the Holy Ghost, you are God's property. So, knowing that I am God's child, I am a child of God, I have to know my place. I am a royalty um, in the eyes of God because his God is the king. Therefore, I have royalty. I am not the king, but I have to understand my role. My place in him. Don't let the enemy tell you tonight that you are not a part of anything special. That your past prevents God from loving you. Let me tell you, I had a healthy dose of poor self-esteem. I know it. <laughs> and I never shared it with anyone. But God has begun to put people in my life. And I realized that other people around me were dealing with a lot of the same things. I began to open up. And then God began to show me that he had a support mechanism all around me. Because a lot of times as a man, all the men can attest to this, we don't want all people knowing, you know, I'm a man. You know, I don't want anybody to think I'm weak. That's not weak. That's not weak. That All that means is that, man, I need God. I got to get one of my brothers and my sisters who can help me get through what I'm dealing with because the devil right now is beating me like a bag of potatoes. Just beat me like a rug that's dirty, I'm telling you. Don't let the enemy make you believe that your past is still with you. God has forgotten it. He has forgotten it. And understand your place, that while you were yet a sinner, God died for you. He believed in you no matter where you were at. He didn't find you when you were clean. He found you when your righteousness was as that filthy rag. And yet he still loves you and he still cares about you. And he still wants you. And he still wants you to hold your head up high. And believe in yourself. And believe who we are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Number two. God does not compare his children to one another. God is not comparing me to Brother Murray. He is not comparing Brother Billy to Pastor Murphy. 
So don't look and say, well, you know, I'll never be like that has no bearing in the house of God. That will make you feel so bad about yourself. You know, if you ever get that feeling, say, you know what, I'm going to do something. I'm going to make a move, God. I want to be like that's okay. Have aspirations to be. Being like Pastor Murphy ain't bad. Being like Brother Merle is not bad. Being like you is not bad. God doesn't compare us to each other. He says in this body there are many members. We all got different parts. We got the eyes. We got the hands. We got the feet. You know, he needs something to hold up. He needs something to run. He needs something to carry a vision. He needs something to speak. You know, it doesn't matter. Let God use you. And don't compare yourself to anyone else. Remember your union with Christ. In John 15 and 5, he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. We are connected to something far greater than our past. We are connected to something far greater than who I used to be. We are far greater than what our, our family members say we are. We are far greater. We are connected to the highest calling there is. But we hold ourselves and disconnect from it because we think I'm not a part. I'm an orange and that's a pear tree. God has a tree that is full of all kinds of fruit. All kinds. God doesn't just grow apples. He grows orange and he grows bananas and he grows pears and plums and mangoes. All of us are on that same tree and we're all connected to him. And we have to remain that way. Amen. Because he is divine. It says in 1 Corinthians 15, but by the grace of God, Paul says, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect, nor I worked harder than them all, yet not I, but the grace of God that was in me. The grace of God. If God walked in here at this moment tonight, what would your response be if you asked that question? What will you do for me? What will you do for me? Will you sit there and mope and say, well, you know, God, I, I know what you're doing and and praise God I'm saved and you know I sit on that pew every Sunday God and I come to church and you know pastor that's why the house is packed because you found some church praise God good when you got a church on Sunday morning because they had to get there they didn't want to miss two in a row but if God asks us tonight what can you what, what, are, what will you do for me what have you done what would you say would you tell him well you know heritage of a, of a drug addict's single family, whatever, come from this, no money, um, the bottom of the dumps, or would you look at God and tell him, God, I have nothing. I, and that, God will look at you and say, that's all you have? Yes, Lord, that's all I have. That is what I will do. He just simply wants to love. He doesn't care about how much you have. God doesn't care about doesn't care about how much money you have. doesn't care if you have Bill Gates, Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs had to go before God. Right now, Apple's got more money than any company there is. Exxon Mobil, I think, is at the top. But Apple's right there. Steve couldn't take a hit of that. And I wonder if God asks us, what, would you, what have you done? So when that question is posed to us, we've got to have an answer. God, I have me. Couple of um, fish and I got a few loaves, but I have me. 
God said, you know what? I can multiply you. I can multiply you. Depend on your source of supply. He says, remain in me and I remain, remain in you. You have to become insatiable for the things of God. You have to say, no matter what, I got to read your word. You have to say, no matter how tired I am, Kiki, no matter how the babies keep you up, no matter how they keep you up, you got to find that time to say, God, I'm going to pray because I have to speak to you. I get insatiable about the things of God. When the doors on Sunday morning is open, are we running in and ready to worship? Are we running in to find that spot that is comfortable, that keeps us where we are? Or are we running in and we're saying, God, I am here. Use me. Use me. But, Lord, I am going to crave your word. Yeah, they canceled church on a Wednesday night. Okay, but, God, I'm going to be there Sunday morning. Amen. Get insatiable. Crave the things of God. God, you can throw it at me. You can't satisfy me. Well, you know, God, we've been praying for an hour, sister. What you finna? Well, I'm going to stay and pray with you another hour because I just, I have to pray. I'm craving God's presence. Because in his presence, there's fullness of joy, and you feel good about yourself. You don't think about what you used to be. You just think about, man, the tears are flowing. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And right now, Lord, I don't want to leave it because I need it to remain because it keeps my self-esteem high. It keeps me away from the negative things that this world wants to show me. It keeps me close to you, Lord. I have to, you are the source, you that supplies all my need according to your riches and your glory. Recognize your potential for fruitfulness. He says, as a man remains in me and I in him, he would bear much fruit. You have to recognize your potential for being fruitful. The devil wants you to believe that you're nothing. He wants us to believe that we're nobodies. That we, yes, this grace of God, yeah, you know, you, you know how you got mad at those people at work? You, you're not saved. God does not want you. No, God's still working on you. Had somebody tell me the other day, God's still working on me. Praise God that he ain't giving up on you and you ain't giving up on him. God, I want to know I can be fruitful in God. And that doesn't mean that I have to bear the whole orchard. I just simply need to produce a fruit. Because if we remember the parable of the talents, the parable, the, the, the blessing wasn't in the number of talents. The blessing was in the use of the talent. That was the blessing. Use what God has given us. Use what God has for us. Believe in yourself, church. We're going to do some great things in Central. I can see this is our year. This is our season. This is our season. God is already opening up doors. He's doing things. But we got to stay together. We can't let the enemy come in and make us believe that so-and-so doesn't like me. That's an easy one. Get thee behind me, Satan. My sister loves me. Girl, you know. 
such and such in my head saying that you mad at me. Are you mad at me? No, girl, come and give me a hug. I'm, I have to imitate the ladies because the guys don't do it like that. But you got to recognize when the devil is trying to manipulate you, when he's trying to intimidate you, and that's when you have to stand up and say, no, or get thee behind me, Satan. You're not going to bring that negative stuff in me. Get thee behind me. You know, if you got all with somebody, take it to them. We all, let me just tell you, we're not all going to agree. We're not all going to agree on every little thing. We're going to have some disagreements. You might like it blue, I might like it red. It doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is that we all love God and we want us to be fruitful for the kingdom of God. Amen? But you have to recognize your potential for fruitfulness. And number six, affirm your enabling from God. God has enabled all of us to be a royal priesthood, a holy nation. He has enabled you to walk out the, door, out the doors tonight with our heads held high and say that I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. God has enabled us to do that. We have to affirm it by stepping into it. Don't take the steps back and believe what you can't do. Step into it and say, God, if you say I can do it, I'm going to do it. Well, you know, you don't preach like Brother Murphy. Praise God. God affirmed that. God enabled me to do that. I said, I'm just going to trust that. You don't have to like the way I did. As long as God has affirmed it, I got to do it because he's enabled me to. You know, sister, you don't teach. Well, you know, you're going to tell your teachers, you know, you got to let God lead you. God has to lead you, but you got to let God affirm his enabling in your life. He's enabling you for great things, church. He's enabling us for great things. So if, right now, if everybody could stand, I want you to repeat after me. And I want you to believe it. Now, I don't want this just to be, well, we're going to repeat after Brother Lawrence, and it's not the sinner's prayer. <laughs> Lord. Okay, we're going to try one more time. Because um, Brother Merle said no. Brother right here said we can go to the 10, right? Ten. <laughs> um, Lord, that which you see in me, though I may not see it yet, remove all fear and doubt. Let my faith rise above the manipulations of the enemy. Help me to affirm your enabling of my gift. Let me operate in any capacity until my gifts are fully functioning. My background, my background, my background has no part in my spiritual direction. But my future is unlimited through your spirit. As I humble myself, Use me, Lord, at your discretion. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. And I will be bold. I will be bold and confident for your kingdom. Amen. Praise God, church. We are not limited at all. We have unlimited resources. Tonight, 
I hope I didn't step on anyone's toes, was not trying to do that. And I wrestled with my wife, and I told her, I said, I don't know if, if that's the message that I should teach. And she said, honey, if God gave it to you, and she took that, and she said, you know what, I need that. Because I don't usually tell her what it is, but I was wrestling with it, and I had to go to it. But that's for someone. It's for me. Because a lot of times, we don't realize how great we are in God's eyes. You know, there's so much he can do. There's so much, church. Let's find something and do it. I don't care if it's just shuffling papers. I don't care if it's coming up here and just opening the doors. Whatever it is, mowing the grass, planting the flowers, watering the plants, whatever it may be, put your hand to something for God. And let's make this house of God the greatest house that God can use in this area. Amen. Because it is in us, and we are bold, and we are confident, and believe that God can use us. I believe God's going to do tremendous work. Amen. Amen. I cannot wait to see what God does for us. Thank you all so much. Well, thank you, Brother Lawrence. Didn't you enjoy that tonight? Let's give Brother Lawrence another hand clap of appreciation. Praise the Lord. And uh, I want to want to say that Thank you, Brother Lawrence, for reminding us who we are in Jesus Christ. Aren't, aren't you thankful for an awesome God? Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise tonight and thanksgiving. God bless you tonight uh, for being here in the house of the Lord. Remember service Sunday. Come out and uh, let's see God do something great. Shake somebody's hand. Tell them it's good to see you in the house of the Lord and you're dismissed in Jesus' name.